0: and welcome to another episode of Open Studio. I'm your host, Martina Flor, and in this show, I have honest conversations with artists, designers, and creatives to uncover their story and the specific tactics they use to build a successful career around their skills and the work they love doing. In this podcast, I have interviewed thousands of accomplished artists and creatives to basically answer one valuable question. How did they get there where they are? Now, while we prepare for all the greatness that is coming on season three, I'm releasing this special recap episode, which features some of the best moments of season two in one place. So you can always dig deeper and go listen to one of these episodes. Please enjoy. I feel that there's, there's a lot of things that I um, have learned through these conversations that I want to talk about, but I feel that we could start by like the overarching concepts, which had to have to do with, first, you know, the craft, which is something very, it's like the essence of any creative business, and also the business itself, uh, which I feel is a, a container. So I want to explain to you this concept, and this is a concept that I developed through my own experience at running my own creative business, but also through interviewing other uh creatives and illustrators and artists uh and also experiencing or working in other in someone else's business i feel that there's two aspects to a successful creative career so number one is the craft and i think this is this is essential this is the essence of what you do right so first there's the craft which is something that you um you need to put front and center in your business, right? So the craft is is the substance, is what you are there for, what you can offer to the world. It's essentially your value, right? And what I have learned through discussing with, with or having these conversations with other creatives is that they have also put their craft and their arts front and center in their focus or in their calendar first found they have found something they love they have found something in which they feel they could do more and more of uh which is very important they kind of like you need to find that thing that you really where you really feel that you can make it where you really feel that you can bring some value, right? And I think that if there's something that I've seen in many of the conversations is that they are, these creatives are very focused on their craft. They really put them in the center of what they do. They they really want to push it forward um, and they really love what they do, right? And this is also sometimes a problem because because they love what they do, they find hard to stay away from what they do. So they have they find uh, their challenges are to take breaks or to um, allocate time for uh, or allocate downtime. But this is something that perhaps uh, makes a topic for a next podcast. But I think this is something important that is, you know, in this in this first um, item that I was speaking about, which is the craft. Um, they have found something that they really like and they really love and they really hone it. So they really work for it. So that's the, the other aspect of it that they have put in the work. I always say this to, to my students that, you know, there's a lot of aspects to running a creative business and to having a career as an artist. And of course, you know, Marketing is one of them, and social media, and audiences, and finding clients, and all of this is re- very important. Uh, but if if you don't have a substance to offer, then you are down to nothing. So um, I feel that you really need to focus on getting really good at what you do. That's your differentiation or your the differential aspect of what you do, right? So. And this is something that I have noticed also through these conversations that they, they have put in the work to get really good at what they do, to really stand out through the great work they do, right? They don't make compromises with this. They really do great work and they have put in the hours to have great output, right? Um, another thing that I have noticed in terms of you know developing their craft is that they have studied the subject. Um, So many of them have really dedicated not only a lot of time to, you know, to to do the work, but also a lot of time to study and, um, you know, focus studying, like, you call it whatever you want, not necessarily going into academia. Many of them have been into academia, but many of them have just, dedicated a lot of time to study, to seriously study about the subject, not just like trying to get the the information from here and there, but just um, they have found a mentor or they have signed up for a course um, that goes deep into the subject, or um, they have found a, um, or they have been hired in a job where not only you know, they were trained into a certain craft, right? So they learn through working, they learn their craft. So in all of them, I can see a, a, an intense learning experience. That's the part number one uh, of what I believe is key to develop a successful creative career. That's the part number one is the craft. This is super important. And the part number two is the container for that craft, which is kind of like the the playground for your craft, right? Or for you as a creative, which is essentially um, your creative business, right? And in, in the case of all of these creatives that I got to interview, and personally also in my case, Having that container allowed me and allow them uh, to explore their craft in different shapes and colors, right? So through creating that container, which is the creative business, they were able to sustain themselves economically, but also to sustain their art, the container give them the kind of like the freedom and the space and the flexibility to develop their art in various ways. So, so how did they develop their businesses? One of the things that I've noticed is that they have said yes a lot. And I know that saying yes nowadays have had ha, has bad press. Um, like a lot of people tells you like say no, like uh, set up boundaries, uh, and I feel that I can totally relate with the idea of saying yes. Um, I was speaking to, I was having a conversation last week with Sebastian Curie, which is a, um, an illustrator living in LA. Um, and he was saying that in the very beginning when he started his business, he was saying yes to any opportunity that will come his way. And this was for, for him a way of like first, you know, creating more work, but also it was a way of confirming confirming that his work worked. Uh, it was a way of saying like, okay, people, people really, there's a demand for what I'm doing. And if I, you know, he, he was continuously saying yes, so that he could create that work. There's, there was an opportunity for him to make, um, to make to um, uh, to expand his bulk of work, um, of course, to make money, but also to confirm that what he was doing was right, was working, right? Of course, after a certain point, I believe that you have to start saying no, of course. But in the very beginning, saying yes is very helpful for you to see that your work there's a demand for your work. Um, that there's opportunities for you, and also to develop your own portfolio. I think this is this is something that worked as well as for me, and I've seen it working for a lot of, a lot of other creatives. A lot of the people I coach also have started in that um, in that way, where they say yes to all of the opportunities that come their way, and then they start putting boundaries or deciding um, which jobs to take and which which jobs not to take. Right. So. Another thing that I have seen is that a creative doesn't build or builds their creative business on top of what he or she already knows. So what I mean with this is that often when a creative or an illustrator, a lettering artist is starting a new business, they are, they are looking to focus on a certain thing. They are doing, you know, up until that point, they have been doing work for others. Um, They have been doing a myriad of things for other people. They decide to start their their own business, not only because of course it becomes a container for their creativity, but also because they see an opportunity for them to double down on one thing, right? Uh, And they want to stop doing a lot of the things that they were doing that they don't want to do anymore, right? that you can create for your own business but to start I want to speak a little bit about the benefits or why you would want to create income streams for your own creative business Um, first income streams are a way of of sustaining yourself making an income uh, without depending on client work without having the need of seeking or pursuing or chasing the next client project to make a living right Um, so that is already a great benefit the fact that you can create some sort of passive income for yourself you can count on that income coming in no matter what um, every single month every single week right and when I speak about passive income of course there's room for misinterpretation when I speak about passive income, it doesn't mean that it won't require any work from you. But when you you talk about creating different income streams, you talk about creating products, things that are, you know, you create them once and they create recurrent income. So most of the income streams that we will touch on today and that I have discussed with uh, in previous episodes with Uh, other artists have to do with that scheme where you create a product you put it out there and it create recurring income of course you need to continue promoting it of course you can or you need to continue improving that product but um, the the creation process is very different from client work where you work very intensively for um, for creating that product you put it out there and then it's about keeping that product running um, so that you can have an income from that specific product or service that you put out there right so before i get into the different income streams that you could have in your business the as i said before the benefits of having income streams as a an artist is first to sustain yourself so that you're not solely dependent on client work and the number 2 is to discover new aspects of your creative profile that are differential and when i see when i when i speak about discovering aspects of your creative profile is that oftentimes as artists we believe that client work is the only thing you can do and i feel that is so restrictive in terms of like enabling yourself to see all the possibilities you have as an artist we often see ourselves or we picture ourselves sitting on the desk at a desk um, creating the art whereas when you start thinking of income streams, you can start seeing yourself um, or looking at yourself as someone that has various skills or various talents beyond the one of creating the artwork, right? Um, so I feel that, and I said this in previous episodes, that starting your own business or creating a business around your skills also allows you to create a container for exploring your creativity and for exploring the several things you can do with that thing you're really good at right so i think that opening up your mind to the different income streams that you can do as an artist also allows you to discover and um and you know, look at the different things, at the different skills that you have that are currently overpowered with that one great skill that you have, which is your talent as a as an artist or as a, a an illustrator, right? So um, there is def- a lot of things that you can do beyond your art. And thinking of income streams or exploring different income streams is a very good way of discovering those talents, and I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on a framework to discover those skills and talents um, right at the end of this episode. But for now, what I wanted to talk about shortly is what what are the benefits? Why why would you want to start thinking about different income streams for your business? And I think these two reasons: the one of sustaining yourself beyond client work is a very strong one. Um, And the second one, discovering aspects of um, your skill set that you didn't know you had um, is also a very powerful one. Um, So let's dive into the different income streams or the possible income streams that you could be exploring. The first one that comes to mind and I guess that as soon as I was speaking about income streams, um, on this episode on in the beginning of this episode, you were already thinking about an online shop and this is a very classical one among artists studying an online shop. Um, and you know, when I speak about an online shop it's about having, um, in a store that sells your products and these products may be, digital or physical. Uh, many artists out there start a, um, a, a store of physical products, right? So they sell prints. So print is a very classical one because the, the production costs are very low. Um, and you can, um, you can at the same time showcase your talents, right? So you're creating a product, that is a direct um, response or direct result of the art that you create. Um, so the you know the having a, an an online shop with prints is the very classical um, or the the format that many artists out there choose. However, you can go beyond that and you can you know start thinking of different products in. W- for which your art could be useful or could be, um, an asset or a plus, right? Collabs could be also potential, um, a potential income stream for you. And when I speak about collapse, I am referring specifically to partnering with someone else that has a different skill or has a different business than mine where um, where you as an artist you provide the art you provide the creativity and they provide the know-how oftentimes the, the investment and the production and together you um, you launch a new product right Another thing that you could do as an income stream is creating digital, products right um so in one of the previous episodes um eric marinovich was who is a lettering artist and type designer he recently started his own type foundry where he offers digital products which are fonts essentially their own fonts um he's offering his own fonts through his uh digital type foundry and he is creating an additional income stream, passive income stream for his own business, right? Um, So digital products is another I would say like another layer of income streams so I mentioned already online shop collaborations to create products Um, creating digital products and selling them on your own platform or someone else's platform Um, online classes can also be an income stream and with online classes you basically are creating a digital product you are creating a you know, video content or whatever content you are putting out there in your um, in your online class, but you're creating a content that gives someone a service or is teaching something, right? And you create it once, you you record the lessons once, and you um, you put it out there, and the work comes then afterwards to bring um, audience or you know people into your class, and this happens actually with everything else that I was talking about just now um, you will you know after you create a product there will be work coming your way in terms of like bringing people or you know putting this in front of people right bringing leads into your shop bringing customers into your um, your online classes or bringing students into your online classes right so you um, this is why I I mentioned in the beginning that you know we are trying to create income uh, income streams so that we can create passive income but you know the term passive is actually not representative of the actual work you have to put into sustaining or creating and sustaining an income streams so have that into account that once you create the product you will need to bring, The lives they want. Um, So let's move on to why community is important. And I want to start with Jim Braun. You may know him already. He's a businessman and motivator and he once said that you are the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. I repeat this. You are the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. And this is a very, very known quote. and it's something that actually makes a lot of sense so those people those people that you're you spend the most time with are the people who influences you the most and it happens often you know like when you um or very often you 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 know the 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 friends the people you you hang out with more often you start looking alike you start dressing or wearing the same uh, similar clothes, you start um, kind of thinking the same way that, that they do, right? You start, um, you become similar to them, right? And this is why this is such a, for me, it was such a change, mind-changing um, um, realization to realize okay wait the, the people i'm actually hanging out with can have an impact on the way i think and the the beliefs i have right so uh, at some point in my life i started really paying attention on what what was the people i was hanging out with and you know what was i getting from them right uh, because um or no, this sounds a little bit like um like I was trying to get something out of them, but what, what was the vibe that I was getting from them? And what, what were they, um, you know, well, if, whether they were adding something to my life or not, right? So, so what I can say is that, or my own experience with community was that when I moved to Berlin, I, one of the first things I did was to join a community of type designers. So when I moved to Berlin, if you don't know my story, when I moved, I moved to Berlin to start uh, my, or essentially to start working as a lettering artist. I wanted to work as a lettering artist. And I, I thought that Berlin would give me a good container for that new stage in my life, right? So when I moved to Berlin, I, Found a community of letter designers. Uh, you know, Berlin is known, or is one of one of the cities with the most um, dense community of type designers. There's like in the city, there's around 50 type families, or something like this, or 50 type designers living in the city, which is a lot, being such a small niche. Um, it's a lot, and I moved here to. Um, when I moved here, I joined the the meetups of this community, and I have to say that I didn't do it. Um, I didn't. I didn't do it consciously at that time. It wasn't. It wasn't really a conscious decision um, to to join a community with a certain purpose. I thought, well, I have no friends, so this is. You know, this is the people. You know, I don't know anyone in the city. I was new to the city. I have no friends here, so um, this was a way of finding a connection point with some, with some people, right? So I thought, okay, they like typography like I do. I will join this community, right? So, and, you know, looking back now, I feel that joining that community had such a strong impact on my achievements as a lettering artist because, you know, I was joining a room full of people that were making a living with letter design. And that was already a great model for me. I thought if they can do it, I can do it as well. And they're doing it already. So why not me? Right? And joining the community really gave me a sense of like, I can totally get this done. It was also very useful in terms of understanding where I stood with my work because they noticed me, they acknowledged me. They, they pointed out at the, the particularities about my work right and and then i started noticing hey you know there's something unique about my work and this really gave me a sense of purpose a a motivation and the fact that they were also doing great work sort of kept me accountable for striving for um for doing great work as well myself right so joining a community for me was really important. And it has also proven to be important for other artists that I have um, interviewed in this podcast, right? So many of them um, reported that they threw themselves into the creme de la creme in their discipline. So for instance, Alex Rashut, he relocated to New York, from Barcelona, he's originally from Barcelona, and he relocated to New York because he thought that he would find a community of um, thriving, uh, thriving artists. He is a, is a lettering artist, but also he's a, he's a uh, digital artist beyond typography, even. Um, so he he moved to New York to throw himself into this market, but also this community, right? Um, Sebastián Curie also moved to LA from Buenos Aires. Um, He was also on the podcast. Malika Fav moved from Paris to London um, and now relocated to Barcelona. And that's also a very very interesting, um, it was a very interesting conversation, the one that I had with Malika Favre um, around relocating cities because the the reasons what, why she relocated cities from Paris to London were different from the ones um, that drove the decision of moving from London to uh, Barcelona. So for instance in the beginning of her career she decided to move to London because she thought this was la creme de la creme uh, or this was the thriving community of artists she wanted to join uh, and you know in fact she did and it was a very putting herself in that community uh, was a a, a determining factor um, in her success, she believes. Uh, She she said something like, London shaped me. The culture, the work culture, and the the people and the artists there shaped me. But at some point she said, "I, I no longer needed that. I no longer needed that. That container um, and she moved to Barcelona because she was now at the face of her career and her life where she wanted to relax more and enjoy more right so she moved to a community that will enable that that will motivate her to you know take more uh, free time and uh, take um, yeah enjoy more of her life and work and And it makes a lot of sense how, you know, the the people that surround you uh, really um, sort of shape what you do and how you do it. Uh, So that has proven to be really, um, really a determining factor in my own life, as I said before, when I moved to Berlin, but also in uh, in what many of the guests have said uh, in the podcast. Uh, on previous episodes, and I always ask them why, you know, this is because I also relocated cities uh, in my life, and I know what it takes, and I know what it involves, I always ask them, why would you, you know, I always want to dig deeper into the question of like, why would you decide to move to a place, Um, knowing all of the things that it involves, all of the sacrifices and all of the challenges that are involved in moving countries, um, in just changing your location, in just leaving your family, friends and just moving to another country. I always have, I'm very curious to know what was the driving factor behind that decision, right? And I think most of them um, reported that, you know, community or inserting or throwing themselves into a community that was um, something they want to model um, was uh, was the driving uh, factor for that decision, right? So. So this is it. I hope you loved this episode. You can find me, the host of the show, on social networks at Martinaflor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have a question or comments, go to martinaflor.com podcast where you can see previous episodes, find show notes, and send voice memos with your comments and questions. You can also watch these episodes on YouTube. Just go to martinaflor.com YouTube to find them. You can, of course,